When it comes to weight management, we tend to focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat. That's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up today. up welcome to episode number 308 of on the corner the official pitcherlist.com podcast i'm your host alex fast joined as always by the drafting man nick pollock nick i knew it i knew you it doing? i knew it it would be about tgfbi yes yes it was tgfbi day how many picks did you get through today fast let's take a look um i <laughs> we are about to be in the fourth round so i did three picks how many did you do i am uh six picks away from my fifth at the end of the fifth round so uh, we're waiting on the 68th pick now now where are you picking from and who have you taken 13 i'm picking from 13 um it's kind of great also like the first the first seven picks went instantly essentially in my in my draft uh auto draft baby um i have you gotta love that I know you really do, and and we have a a, a Twitter group DM, right? It's fantastic. Mm. I have Gray Albright there, so you know it's it's going to get done. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, they're a great crew. We're all there, and that's how you. So do let's it. hear you what gotta, you got. You got it. Okay, I got. Oh, Barrios just went at sixty eight. So there you go. Okay. Early right now, um, Mookie Betts and Trout is what I went at thirteen and uh, eighteen. Um, and then Matt Olson at the end of the third. I really wanted okay. Trevor Story or Marcus Semien, and they both won the two picks before me, which is always very fun. Um, and then I hated myself, and because Bogarts and Lindor went right after I was debating, like, is Olson and Goldschmidt going to go, or is Bogarts and Lindor going to go? I wanted to get one first base and one shortstop, but of course Bogarts and Lindor went, and I took a closer at the beginning of the fourth. Good. So Rizal Iglesias, I love it. Right. And the man who says we're drafting saves wrong loves it. So I'm fine with well, that, I, I guess. I think there's a lot of good like they're uh, Eno brought up a really good point in their latest uh, rates and barrels um, podcast, which is that there's just a real steep cliff. And he's right. Yeah. It falls off, I think, more so than it ever has before. So that point of like get one early and then just forget about it forever is more so true than ever. We didn't lead with the biggest thing, you <laughs> turkey. We won. I mean, I'm not the one. <laughs> I totally <laughs> forgot. We this is the best podcast ever. <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Like the most shrill announcement that we won. Oh, man. The FSWA yeah. award for best baseball podcast. Is that insane? Is that crazy? <laughs> we, we won it. We won that podcast won award. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't believe it. We we beat the likes of NBC with Circling the Bases, an amazing podcast. Uh, yeah. Sleeper in the Bust and Rates and Barrels. I like to think Our that heroes. we only... We're only one because Rates and Barrels and Sleep in the Bus won the previous two years. And like, eh, let's, you know, let's give it to somebody else. It's like so. when it's like when <laughs> when when Dream Girls won an Oscar, it's like the votes get split with the two best ones. So the biggest loser yeah, it is. really gets to run away <laughs> with it. You know what I mean? No, but uh, seriously, I, I do want to thank everybody listening. The only reason we have any sort of attention is because everybody support uh, just over the years. We started doing this six years ago. Which is absolutely nuts. Um, wow, it's fast. It's been six years, man. Um, That's and uh, dude. it's the only reason we keep doing it is because of everybody. So really, thank you all so much for listening over the years. And yeah. we're excited for the uh, the, the upcoming new Nick and ba- Alex baseball show, which will be launching in the near future. We feel like there needs to be baseball for that yeah, show I to have- exist. But I'm going to be happy about first. Yeah, we don't have any news right now. I hope by the time you're listening, there is news and makes me feel really great considering, you know, fast. I got to say, um, one of the best business decisions you can make is by supporting something that might or might not exist. <laughs> I don't know. God, yeah, it's a really smart thing I do is spending all my time into that. Now, I'm just kidding. It'll be fine. It'll be all right. I have good, I have a lot of faith that it's going to be done sometime this week. 
Uh, maybe not tonight. We have this arbitrary deadline kind of set, but at the same time, I don't know. They're talking so much in the last like two, three days, and they're still um, they're still doing it now. There was a fantastic tweet um, that I liked. I'm trying to figure out where. No, if I can track it down, I don't know. It essentially had like 11:30 p.m. getting pizza before you write your paper for all nighter energy. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I it, it does that was feel like great. that. Uh, so, just, sometimes I, I take a step back. I take a step back and I try not to read Twitter as much, although I've been in a spiral this past week about it because course. like it doesn't mean anything. Just let me know when it's done. You know what I mean? Like, right. although I will say it was really I think I've seen a lot more pro labor stuff, which I think is really exciting. It was really I, I genuinely believe that we saw the MLB TV tweet today because of the groundswell that happened on Twitter the past couple of days. Yeah, but it just stinks like not to make it all about us. But I think I spoke about this on a radio thing a couple of days ago, like there's so many things outside of you know the players and and the and the owners like guys like you know like eric cross guys like you know like mason guys you know people on our industry people like shelly like people who make a secondary income off of this that like and obviously the the vendors and the the, the people who have their livelihoods based in so the stadium like people who sell the merchandise it's just it's just it's just it's and we just sit back and wait it stinks it stinks but anyway uh, we're, we're, we're so, not going so from way high two to way very low. quick things fabian Ardar, uh, ardea is the one who made uh, amazing tweet Fab- okay. Fab- okay wow that was a, <laughs> that was a sound um second thing hey you were also on the radio we didn't what was what were you doing was it san francisco was that it yeah I was on a, a San Francisco radio show talking about the lockout and then talking about their pitchers and talking about spreading the good word of Tyler Beatty. Oh, look at you. Oh, man. Spreading Who would ever talk about Beattie. Tyler Beatty? That's ridiculous. Uh, do you do you even care about my TGFBI draft, Nick? <laughs> do you even care? We got distracted. You pulled me out of this. I was going to ask. I'm pulling you and, But now here. I'm not. You know, you're only, what, three That's rounds fine. in? That's fair. That's fair. No, no. That's Tell fair. us about it, please. Uh, I'm picking nine, which I'm I'm fine with. I started with Acuna. I'm not concerned, and I also think we are going to miss a week oh. or two of the season, which means that he's probably going to be starting the season. Um, by that logic, I almost went Degrom in the second round. I ended yeah. up going with Scherzer. Um, okay. I, you know me; I'm always about one hitter, one pitcher in the first round. That's just yep. how I like to do it. And then you get Sterling Marte, and then JD Martinez. <laughs> Starling Marte went. Starling Marte went it's right after Scherzer. Uh, and it works every year, baby. Uh, Starling last year, I won tout thanks to Starling. No, I, I'm joking about the PL Legacy League. Okay, that's all. I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. And then Alonzo in the third round. I, I, I was kind of happy to get that, uh, that, that production. And then I was gonna. We'll see what we do in the fourth. I may take. Um, see if I can get Jordan they're Romano. Gonna, okay, I was gonna say they're not gonna hear you, Jordan Romano. Yeah, yeah I, so. I, or if Rysel Iglesias is there, but I don't know. I kind of, I really like Jordan Romano. He's got I some mean, really Romano's lovely stuff. Not, gone, not here in the fifth right now. I feel like there's more confusion about like Merriweather, who I always want to call Wary Mether, but that's just me. I just I, feel Romano could take it. I mean, he could, but it's not like Iglesias who's like, yeah, he's going to be closing. It's a lot more or like Class A or something, you know? That's true. I do love Iglesias, and I think people don't talk enough about how, I think he led the league in CSW overall last year. Is Which right? is pretty amazing. Yeah, pretty I, cool. I think so. We don't really talk about it a lot with relievers, but anyway, I thought no. it was I thought it was pretty amazing. Um, I do really think, by the way, like yes. this is kind of why I've been frustrated that leagues are drafting right now. If if there, let's say worst case scenario, we do not start the season till May. Jacob Degrom could be a first round, or could yeah. be one one. Yeah, right, you know what I mean. Right. Like there's a lot of th- there's a lot of question marks. It's like drafting in October or something, relative to yeah. you know March, right? Uh, I mean, I, I'm generally with you with that. I do understand that a lot of places need to do them because the logistics of a lot of stuff get messed up. Mm-hmm. I get it. And also then let's say if they delay it and then there's only a couple of days missing of the season, then you got to crunch everything in a certain amount of time. I understand a lot. It's but of course, you know, we'd like to be in a position of knowing more. And uh, yeah, it's just how it is. You know, it's how I'm it just is. Happy the, to be. Last- I miss this. I miss this community <laughs> gathering. For all it is nice FBI, though it's been really awesome he, 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 he uh, it's nice to 
have this to be positive about when there's so much negativity yeah. in the community right now. That's oh very nice. And in the world, um, yes. <laughs> and in the world, yeah, that's true. The last <laughs> thing I wanted to uh, bring up with you, this kind of puts you on the spot. I don't know if you have yet because you're a very, very busy man. So I On the spot, baby. Let's go. But did you have a chance to watch Pitching Ninja's interview with Corbin Burns? I watched some of it. Um, okay. I watched his, I watched the the uh, the beginning with pitch grips about his uh, his cutter and uh, slider. Um, yes, that was fascinating. How much his cutter was not on the edge as much as I thought it would be. So that's exactly what I wanted to talk about. He after that he also gets into his curveball grip. I genuinely don't ever I don't think I've ever seen less variation in mm. grip on pitch to pitch like it literally was like i know cutter slider can be very similar it can be a lot with right, access right. and you know and and you know throwing it like a fastball but then he went to his curveball and it was it wasn't like oh here's the knuckle or here's a new grip he was like sure i just turn it well, and yes. like i okay. i what i do wonder though if that has if that speaks to an ability to his consistency at mm, all because he's always putting his fingers pretty much the same spot is what you're saying it's it's remarkable how little movement there was in these three different pitch types. Like it's that, not like he's literally changing the axis. And I was like, because it's not like you're going to a splitter, right? It's not like you're going from a from a fastball. Well, yeah, to a this splitter. is why the splitter is the most inconsistent one. But it's not like you're going from a slider to a knuckle curve. You know sure. what I mean? I mean, he's he's literally, or even some curveball groups I've seen have been a little bit crazier. It, it's it, it was so simple. It was so right. simple. Well, the way okay, he was so doing it. so I will say this between like a slider and a curveball. Actually, when I was a kid. Um, my first ever curveball I threw wasn't really a curveball. It was technically a slider um, mm-hmm. based on where you're throwing, which is like the the base. Like if you think of the, the baseball and there's a U shape at yeah. the bottom middle of that U, you put that on the right of your middle finger and you just throw straight okay. down from there. Uh, that's kind of what I did. Uh, but I did it with my, my index finger and essentially like a curveball, the release is way different. You now you're turning your your right hand essentially to make a C shape. Um, okay. backwards right and then you're turning it over you're turning it down leading with your your index finger and your pinky down right in a slider instead you're actually like kind of pretty much throwing it like a fastball like staying behind the ball as much as you can and going down with your wrist instead of turning it so it doesn't really surprise me too much and the reason i brought up the whole thing about the curveball gripping wrong is that if you turn your wrist like it, you're delivering a curveball you still can do that you know mm-hmm. um and as long as you get that you know the way you deliver is different you can manipulate uh, the baseball, regardless of like being so drastically different of your grip. The grip does help, though. The grip gets you, you know, an easier when you're doing that with the wrist coming down. How much grip on the ball you're getting, right? Depending on where you are on the baseball. Um, and then, of course, like the actual seam shifted wake is another discussion to be had too. But for like slider to curveball, it didn't surprise me too much. Um, but uh, it is pretty cool to see. I mean, I, th- I think the cutter is the one that surprised me the most, but it's really just because of how he's releasing it. He's coming slightly on the side of it on release as opposed to truly staying down with his index and middle finger like a four-seamer normally. So it's pretty cool stuff. Uh, I mean, great. yeah, it, it's. It, I want to watch the whole thing. Thanks for reminding me to go back to that one. It's good. The umpire uh, thing is great, too, where he's like – I, I, oh, I yeah. tweeted about it where it was that like was good. we, we – we talk all the time, and I say this every time we interview a pitcher, where there's like always one moment where we find out how dumb we are. And like, we're very specific in the community about like, well, he throws first pitch sliders a lot, or an O1 counts will often go to this. And I love the notion that Corbin Burns was like, I will throw a cutter early just so the umpire can see it. And that's it. Yeah. I don't care. Specifically, the lefties, to lefties away yeah. being like, and he also, I thought was really great is that in the first inning, they'll be more over the plate than they will later on. Because mm. they have to get it. They have to get the one so that, that he can see that it's a strike. Say, so, hey, this is what I'm doing. So don't give up on I these love pitches. It. It's very smart. It's very uh, smart. Um, so cool. cool stuff. Those are the two things. That, that's it. That's the episode. It's a very short episode of Ta-da. the award-winning we haven't even fantasy talked baseball about, like, rankings at all. No! Yeah, all right. Now, today we are yeah, talking about 61 it. through 70. <laughs> so we can we can... We can go ahead and and dive right into these. Now, I think the first guy, I have to look at who the first person is because I have all these notes, all the notes of all the pitchers all together. Um, The last person we talked about was John Gray. So the first person that we're talking about today is a guy who, you know, probably can be associated with the quote unquote sleeper tag coming into this year. Uh, You saw a lot of them last year and you, excuse me, you were ringing that bell already. Number 61, Aaron Ashby. 
Yes. Uh, we had this Boston meetup, um, which was great. We went and saw Chris Sale's first game back. I literally gave a standing ovation, getting the crowd amped and an 0-2 pitch in the first inning with two outs. No one was standing. How could you do this? I was like, Boston, this is your savior. It was amazing. It was a great time. We go to a restaurant after, and here I am in the corner of it just being like, you know what? I'm going to put on Aaron Ashby's start from today. <laughs> I'm lose I was that excited. That was the one when he went, I think, about 22 pitches against the Cubs. Um, and that was the one that was like really – I was so excited for him to come back and see what he was going to do, and it was great. And then I did a video of it, I think, on Monday um, when I came back. But uh, it was uh, – Aaron Ashby, if you go on our player pages, it's kind of funny. I can say things like this. If you look at his sliders on our site, it's all red on the right side. Um, and it's kind of blue on the left because the ERA is a 455. Ignore that. Near 30% strikeout rate, uh, 34% CSW, 96-97 on the fastball, 21% hard contact rate, which among starting pitchers would be the 17th best in the majors. Third in ground ball rate at 60%. His stuff is amazing. It's a, it's an elite slider. One of the highest, if not the highest, CSW pitches in the majors overall. Not just sliders, just overall. Uh, a changeup that he gets strikes with. And yeah, it's a fastball that he throws really, really hard. The biggest question is how much are we going to see of Aaron Ashby? Because Adrian Hauser is the number five in Milwaukee right now. Eric Lauer is number four. And I actually really like Eric Lauer. I think Milwaukee's going to be trusting him the entire year. So it's kind of a hipster. Um, heading inducing starting pitcher that stifles the entire roster. Where when is Ashby gonna start for you? Do you want to invest in him as a middle reliever? I can, I mean, he's not gonna be bad for you. It's just a bench spot that you might need to spend otherwise. And I don't know when Ashby is going to get that chance. When he does, Aaron Ashby will then also need some time to ramp up. It's not like he gets the starting rotation spot and now he's throwing five to six innings per game. It's gonna be three, then maybe four, then hopefully five, and so on. So it's a lot of investment. Um, when he does actually regularly start, he's going to be great. I think entering 2023, we're going to be super hyped about Aaron Ashby. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, for my drafts and 12-teamers, how much do I want to invest in those, I don't know, four or three months of the year where he's starting? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I Yeah, obviously, as I pull up his player page on the PitcherList.com website, <laughs> um, obviously, there you hit the biggest, the, the, the largest question, right? Which is what the playing time is going to be. And I think we can point to enough evidence um, that Milwaukee likes to take its time with pitchers. And I, I really don't think a lot of people are giving enough credit to that. They did it with Woodruff. They did it with Burns. They did it with Peralta. And yeah. I'm, I'm really buying the under on a lot of Aaron Ashby projections, unless I'm in a, a dynasty, because I do genuinely believe with that slider that he can be super effective. I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head. It's, it's a fantastic pitch. The 42% whiff rate is insane. He's got a near 36% put away rate on the pitch, which is essentially how effective is the pitch in two strikes. And that's like right next to Corbin Burns. Like that, that's great. Um, but I do think also, like, I don't think we're talking enough about the sinker's not that good aside from the velo. The sinker had like a 340 Woba last year, and he also has some command issues, too, that I don't think a lot of people are really paying a lot of attention to. I think if he can fix the command issues, which wouldn't be out of the question. I mean, look what they did with Peralta and Burns. You, you got to give Milwaukee a lot of credit as to what they're able to do with pitchers. But with that said, at, you're taking a big risk because you're not getting the innings. And then you're assuming that in those innings, the command is going to be what it should be. So while I don't deny that the stuff is there because the slider is really tough to deny, I do think that we are going to see more Adrian Hauser this year than we care to, because they're going to kind of baby along Aaron Ashby. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I will say the sinker absolutely is the weakest point about Aaron Ashby. Um, it's a second pitch. It's a, it's yes. as big as he goes sinker no, 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 slider. No, 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 no. no, no. Well, no, it's a 22% changeup, and there is a path where that changeup, which had a 62% strike rate last year, 40% zone rate, 32% CSW, could actually push that sinker a little bit farther down even. Um, and I will also say the sinker is not like all of a sudden through one sample size of 32 innings, I'm ready to completely give up on the sinker. I mean, it, come, sure. it comes at, at a, a 96-97, right? It's 70% ground ball rate, uh, 25% hard contact, which is actually well above average for a sinker. Uh, 32% was the league average on sinkers last year and just 25%. 
That's fine, honestly. If he can throw that like 30 Wait, what was what did you say? Is what? Is CSW? Uh, 25% hard contact. Wait, that's hard hit over oh, PA. Oh, hard contact. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I thought you were talking I thought you said CSW because the CSW is not that great. It's like average, no, right? No, it's 21.5. It's well below average. Normally 27%. Yeah, so, he doesn't get enough yeah. called strikes with it essentially. That's uh, what I'm Yeah. Yeah, but it's over a 32 pitch sample and the fact that you know, it, he hasn't been destroyed by it. I think like you're not going to see a sinker that's so detrimental. And also the changeup and slider are both great. <laughs> the slider really is a, a legit premium offering. Changeup is a plus offering. Um, I think I'll, I'll put it this way. Aaron Ashby starting is going to help your team. It's not necessarily he's not a top 10 guy all of a sudden or something like that. We're not saying that. Mm-hmm. But he will be a positive impact. I have him down to 61. I I might be having him a little bit lower as we get more clarity entering the season. Um, just about. I'm sure. I'm waiting for some quotes about Aaron Ashby. You know, yeah. we always get them in the spring, but we we're not getting them now. About you know, do they see him as a future starter or like you know, we know we like him as a reliever. All that stuff. It's not really going to weigh a lot, but likely as we get closer to the season, I'll say you know what? Yeah, I'll probably get my Adam Wainwrights instead. That kind I'm, of thing. I'm going to say an absurd sentence that I never thought I'd be able to say, and I Let's think I have it. to say it as someone who's a baseball journalist, like. I, I I I have heard from people in the front office that they'll probably do what they did to him to him what they did with Peralta and Burns. You just said that, and I, it makes me so happy. Okay, great. I'll just leave it at that. It makes me uh, so happy. I, it it wouldn't surprise me. I, I yeah. I'm just well, like. I mean, and, well, the thing is, I though, okay, wait, wait. So I will say this: Burns did start uh, before twenty. Uh, wait, let's see. He he started midway through twenty twenty. Started at the beginning of two thousand nineteen, then got destroyed, and then got removed mm-hmm. to those privileges. I uh, Woodruff jumped essentially straight into it. Peralta was back and forth, and then last year got 140. So Peralta is probably the better one to think of sure. here. Um, but yeah, that seems about right of just the dancing between some starts here and there, and then not so much. And so then, yeah. what do you like are, over under 100 on him for innings? Yeah, right. It's really close. That's just due to injury inside the rotation because he is the next one. Is the thing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe, maybe. I mean, I just don't know. Who right. Else? I feel like who's the next guy. I, I it's well, it's difficult, right? Because they're like, OK, if you're a front office, like, do we want to expedite our plan because of this injury or do we want to not risk further injury with Ashby and continue to take it slow and stretch him out? I, that's speculation. I have no idea there. Right. Um. So I I, I don't know. I mean, I think um, it, it, I, it I agree about the upside to, for sure. It comes down to the options. It could just be bullpen games, you know, Brent mm-hmm. Suter. which they've done. Brent Suter yeah. could do more, um, but they don't have Brett Anderson anymore. Uh, yeah, but I'm trying to see if there's. I mean, do you want to throw in some JC Mejia, uh, yeah, <laughs> Alec Bettinger, right. and Ju- I mean, Just- it, Gustav Gondel? And, yeah. It's it's a case where Gustav, he is so me. clearly the option they want to promote there. Um, it's just a matter of okay, do they have a hard limit for Ashby at 120, yeah. 130, or something, and they will have to navigate that. So I found myself not really going for Ashby unless I had such a rocking pitching staff that i did just get him at the end because whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, but if i felt like in tgfbi like oh no i really need some some actual dependable guys i don't go for ashby i go for as i mentioned say adam wainwright or his teammate even eric lauer who will who will get to momentarily but we're gonna uh, we're in agreement definitely about the the upside the slider is elite but let's move on now to number 62 we're talking about luis garcia um for me, there's no real question that the workload for Luis Garcia really started to get to him by the end of the year. We started to see the fastball velocity dip a little bit coming to the uh, like 92 into August, end of the year around 93. But the thing that was a little bit off-putting to me is that the shape of the pitches started to change a little bit. Um, the, the, the cutter started to really change its movement for, profile. It started to resemble um, uh, some other pitches in the arsenal. It started to bleed into one another, and I don't think that was really great. Um, but he does have a, a pretty deep arsenal. Um, what are you thinking about Luis Garcia? So Garcia was really good in the in the first half, and it's when he was really rocking a four-seamer cutter slider, right? Uh, the slider over the full season was excellent, 38% CSW, but you only use it 12% of the time, and then by the end, it was really just fastball cutter, and I remember writing about it with the SB Roundup, just saying, what are you doing? Garcia, this is, you can't just do it with your four-seamer and your cutter, and that mm-hmm. cutter, 23% swing strike rate is great, but the four-seamer allowed 36% hard contact. That thing got crushed, uh, yeah. and it really, really messed him up, and 
by the World Series, we understood why he wasn't throwing the slider because, well, Jorge Soler says the pitch still hasn't landed. And mm-hmm. it, it's worrisome for me for Luis Garcia. I think we kind of saw a really nice run um, where he was feeling the slider, feeling the cutter. They were all distinctly different. His fastball was getting tons of called strikes and not getting crushed. And the wheels came off. Um, I don't think he's a 26% strikeout rate guy. I think Luis Garcia is closer to like 23, 24, but the 350 ERA and the 118 whip, those are probably going to be better than what we see in 2022. And I found myself kind of hesitant to go after Luis Garcia. Um, I kept pushing him down and down. I originally had him inside the top 60 and then I said, you know what? Mm. No, I'll put John Gray here at 60 instead. Uh, I'm really hesitant to buy into what Garcia just did because it's really only the cutter that was that successful last year, and he's only thrown that about a fifth of the time. Uh, so I'm out on Luis Garcia for this year. I don't know. I, I Well, there's a few things. One, I think we didn't see as much of the slider at the end of the season because he doesn't throw it to... Uh, I think he only throws it to righties, and he saw, he saw like a, a majority of lefties uh, at the end of the year. So I think it was something where there were a lot of splits that we saw, and they were okay. kind of stacking the box against him, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I was looking in his last couple starts, like the Mariners were rolling out like uh, uh, J.P. Crawford and Ty France and Seeger and Kalenic. It just seems like there was like a bunch of lefties that he was seeing. I, the slider had a 154 Woba, too. So I mean, it's it's a oh it's yeah a, when it when it was working a, and like doing its thing, he was throwing it. It was effective. Uh, the last start he threw a significant amount was yeah, I guess the Angels. They apparently mm-hmm. didn't throw enough lefties. He threw twenty in that one for thirty percent CSW. Only two whips yeah. though across twenty, which is kind of weird. I think I mean maybe with Brett Strom leaving again to bring in the pitching coach stuff, it, 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 he, there might not be as much growth as I would like to see. But I, I think I'm actually a little bit more in maybe the New York because I think there is room for growth with the with the arsenal that he has because it is a super deep arsenal, um, and he's got like some you know. He, I just think he's got a, a richness yeah, of depth there that he'll sure. be able to. Well, and also with the last thing I'll say too, he's one of those guys you take away the last start. And the ERA is even lower. It's a three-two-three oh, ERA, right? But it was it was it was getting worse um, in August uh, and September. I remember following it a lot, um, and there was really only one start that it was a proficient slider, and even that one wasn't quite as good. Uh, it was clearly him trying to. Well, he was running out of steam. Um, mm-hmm. You could see it going on, and I will say the the depth of the arsenal. So the last twenty percent was a change-up in a curveball, so a change-up 11% curveball, 9% last year. Low strike rates, just a 57% on the, on the change-up and just 53 on the curveball. So not that dependable. Uh, while they weren't really that harmful as far as you know balls in play and the you know, curveball had a lot of decent amount of called strikes, it's not this you know plus stuff that says, oh, cool, yeah, he can really, you know, it's a 2-2 count with second and third or whatever. He wants to go to this one. You won't mm-hmm. see that from the changeup and curveball. It's really, it really became apparent that this guy is a fastball cutter guy, and hopefully the the slider is there um, through that second half. And yeah, I'm spooked by that. I mean, August. I don't think August was as bad as you think. He had a 3.34 ERA over 32 innings. That's that, like that's that's good. He had a sub 300 OBP. Yeah, I, I, this again, the stuff wasn't. I, I mean, I was going through the game logs just even now again. It's all just, I mean, there was that good start against Minnesota. Um, and then kind of after that, and then it, I'm going to say it again. I'm sticking to my guns here. Luis Garcia mm-hmm. was running out of gas, was not nearly totally. the same pitcher he was in the first half. Uh, he was running out of gas for sure. I'm not, I'm not buying this for 2022. But do you th- last thing I'll say, last thing I'll say, I'm not trying to press yes. the issue. Do you think because <laughs> he was running out of gas yeah. now, theoretically, he'll be able to be, that was the, the largest inning load he's ever had. Now right. he should theoretically be more prepared to take on that inning load. You know, he went from 12.1 to 155 innings over 2020 to 2021. Uh, now he could theoretically do 150 easy again, probably boost it up 20 more. I don't know. It, 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 we, we've made our, we've made our, 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 I don't want to say arguments. We've made our points about Luis Garcia and we'll let the people decide. Let's move mm. on to number 63, a guy that I, when I dug into, I got much more excited about than I ever have about possibly maybe any 40 year old man I've ever looked at. Uh, and that's Adam Wainwright. Um, How often do you, you look you, at 40 year old men? 
<laughs> um, sadly, uh, I, all I do is look at Jamie Moyer and Rich Hill. Of course. Um, and uh, Oliver Perez. And, um, it is kind of remarkable that a 40-year-old put together arguably the best season uh, in like a decade. Uh, he started throwing that career-high curveball in 2020%, and the results were a 3.15 ERA. And 2021 proved that the curveball was effective for him. But to me, I was like looking at it and I was like, it can't be the curveball, right? Like Adam has always had a very good curveball. That's just a pitch that he's been very good with. To me, it was the the strides in the sinker. I mean, I tweeted about it. You you already retweeted it. So you, you've seen this as well already. But the Woba on the sinker was a career best for him over a full year. Okay, it was a 226 Woba. And a 230 BABIP, okay, which is better than it was uh, in 2020. And Tom Tango pointed out something very, very interesting to me. No pitcher in baseball was benefited more by their defense than Adam Wainwright and the Cardinals. Yep. And I mean, not even That's insane. close. Not even close. That, what was it, 24 or something? The next one was single digits. I think it was, yeah, I'll look it up right now. But it was, it was pretty much that. Like, yeah. it was shocking. The uh, it, 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 compared to 2020, um, Adam Wainwright allowed more hard contact with his sinker, um, in 2021 by a decent amount 32 percent, which we were saying before is actually not great, uh, for your sinker. Uh, but yeah, 172 batting average allowed is not ideal, um, for hitters, it's great for a pitcher mm. and a sinker. Uh, 28% called strike rate, uh, was the highest we've seen, uh, for a while. If, if uh, maybe even the highest we've seen ever from Wayne Wright's sinker, it's Really good pitch with an amazing defense. Got a lot more ground balls last year. 52% is very solid. Hitting straight into that gold glove infield. That is likely going to stick around. And what was kind of interesting to me was, yes, the curveball was great. I, you're still amazing. We've kind of forgotten about how amazing it is. 35% CSW last year is phenomenal. 69% uh, strike rate. But the cutter... It was good early on, if I remember correctly, with the roundups and everything. It wasn't as dependable later on in the season as it was in the beginning, as far from like a CSW way. Um, but only 21% hard contact through the year on that pitch, and it, it did super well for him uh, for the most part. But a lot of games, it was just sinker, curveball, and that worked, you know, for, for Wainwright. So... I'm not anticipating a 305 and a 106, right? That those that ERA and whip for Wainwright, not going to replicate. We don't expect yeah. that. But how That's far low, is yep. the cliff is the question we ask often, especially about 40-year-old men. And <laughs> I, it's not going to be that far, right? I don't think it's going to be over four. It could. Uh, these things all of a sudden just sneak up on you. But with that good of a defense behind him and still throwing strikes with that sinker, yeah, I think Adam Wainwright could still be beneficial for you. It's going to come at a cost of strikeouts, so it probably will dip underneath 20%. 21% yep. last year was 112th among mm-hmm. all starting pitchers. So Wainwright's got to, you know, it's going to be a little bit lower in strikeouts. Keep in mind, over 200 innings means he's still going to be, what, 170 strikeouts or so? And that's yep. far from bad. 174 last year. Maybe 160. It's still very beneficial. It's still for good. You. I, yeah. I have him with like a, now that I'm making my projections, I have him with like a mid three ERA. I mean, I don't think he, to, to answer your question from before, it was a 25 outs above average. The second yeah. highest was Framber Valdez with 10, <laughs> 25 to 10. Um, so there's no way oh, that that man. can be sustainable, but it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it continued to be that good. He just started working the edges left and right down low and, uh, he can hit those spots still. Yes. He's throwing 89 and that's not great, but when he's got that location and that curve, I don't know. I'm, I, I am much more interested than I was before. Sure. I I'm, I'm kind of in too. I mean, I'm probably going to have Ashby behind Wayne Wright as I was mentioning. Now, we've got about six pitchers remaining, but before we do, we're going to take a quick little break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at pitcherlist.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code 
podcast. Also, don't forget to check out everything else we do as well, from YouTube videos, live streams, newsletters, off-season articles, TikToks, breakdowns, over 15 baseball podcasts on our network. We can't stop talking about baseball, even during the off-season. So sign up for PL Plus today at PitcherList.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back talking about another guy who made some relief appearances, also made a good amount of starts, and those starts were actually pretty exciting. And that's Ranger Suarez over in Philly. Now, I was like, all right, let's do the real trick where we go to Fangraphs and look at his stats broken down as a starting pitcher and not just as a relief pitcher. And uh, it was still pretty dang good. He had a 151 ERA with a 235 FIP and a 3.68 Sierra. He had a 1.7% barrel rate with a 1.08 whip. That's a lot of numbers. But all it says is that it's not just when he was relieving, when he was starting, he was incredibly effective. And here he is at number, what is this, 64? Uh, yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, it is uh, <laughs> Ranger Suarez. What are your thoughts on him? Oh, man. Um, I even had a, I had a very fortunate discussion uh, about Ranger Suarez in person with the wonderful Ellen Adair. Mm-hmm. Um, and made me think a little bit about um, sinker and forcing are being two distinctly different pitches and how he uses them. Um, I don't know if I'm totally sold on it, but it might warm me up a little. But overall, when it comes to Ranger Suarez, I see this as the, an exact <laughs> indication or like a, a great example of a perfect Vargas rule. And really at its heart, what a Vargas rule is, it's not necessarily about being a bad pitcher. It's about a pitcher who is just avoiding the heart of the plate and living on the edges and just not allowing mistakes that guys are capitalizing on. That, to me, is what takes a, a boring pitcher into a Vargas rule. And actually very closely to it for Ranger Suarez because his best pitch is a changeup, which was uh, Jason Vargas's best uh, offering. 20% swing strike rate last year was excellent for him. Um, only 18% hard contact on it. The sinker only 24% hard contact, and that's because of his really good job nibbling the edges at 93 miles per hour with that one and sub-20% hard contact on the four-seamer. And that's what made him very special last year. Um, I don't know if I buy that Ranger Suarez can do that for the full year. I think it's actually would be shocking to me mm-hmm. if he was. And I think the sinker is not actually a 206 batting average allowed pitch. That's just what I feel we're going to see this year is that number going up a good amount and what's absolutely crazy to me is that he threw 1100 fastballs okay ranger suarez that's a- only one of them allowed a home run yeah that's unbelievable that's not that's that's, that's, that's unbelievable that's crazy and, you, and in you that say, stadium well, nick, too well nick you had a 136 year right okay fine we'll add you know what i'll even give you two ticks on his ERA, that's still a 336. Mm-hmm. It changes everything. When you start allowing home runs, your confidence goes down. Uh, you face more batters. You don't get those outs instead. Uh, it, it really just, everything just changes when those runs come in. Um, it's it's not as simple as just adding some ticks to the ERA. We all don't expect Ranger Suarez to have a 136 anyway. Um, and I think a major part of that will be the home run swing. So, it maybe maybe it's you know the sinker being more of that ground ball pitch and that uh, four seamer trying to get more strikes eleven percent uh, uh, swing strike run it he elevated up and in while he stayed away with the sinkers he did a good job going back east west with that maybe I've been overlooking that and that's what helped keep batters uh, you know in check but I just kind of see a guy that just doesn't have enough stuff overall. Um, and it's really like two and a half pitches, but it's not a, you know, I don't really, I wouldn't call these elite sinkers and elite four seamers, even though the hard contact was, I don't actually believe that that's what they are. Um, while the changeup is fantastic at missing bats, there's just not enough for me to actually believe that that was anything but a, a Vargas rule. So I hope to be wrong. I hope to have Ranger Suarez on my teams. Cause again, mid early sixties, that says, Hey, you're fine to be on my 12 team rosters. Um, and I think actually the ADPs have been depressed since he was originally like 160, 170 or so in NFBC stuff. But yeah, if he's mm-hmm. going around 200, 210, I think I'm interested. 
I'm cool with that. But I wouldn't really go into this expecting Ranger Suarez to hint at being an SP3 or so. Um, did you say it was Jeff Passan's wife who was first talking to you <laughs> about this? <laughs> oh, that was so cool. That uh, was, that was amazing. If Jeff Passan supped. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, yeah, that was just unbelievable. (laughs) I, I, I like, I've been talking with Elle in the past couple of days. She is a lovely human being. It's great to see, you know, I get Jeff Passon's tweets on notifications, right? Mm. And like to see a Jeff Passon notification and then also see at Ellen Adair inside of it is like, what? Wait, yeah, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Um, I, I I don't want to go too deep into Ranger Suarez because I actually I agree with you. I don't actually agree with you. We agree plenty, but I I agree with you that I I don't really buy the stuff. I I don't think there's a lot there. I think he just relies on that sinker. I actually, um, and we could save this for when we do my top 100. I think, oh, I I would push back and say he could, he might need to be even lower. I would, I would say, oh, even lower. Well, yeah. underneath who? Well, let's find out who's next on the list. I don't think you should be under this guy. I think this guy should be lower too, and that's Yunjin <laughs> Ryu. Even um, lower, really? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. I, I, I need to do like my full list here. I'm like 30, 40 pitchers in. Um, is this, this is like, going to be like us and Joe Pisapia, where you're saying he should be higher or lower, and you're like, well, above who? Like, I haven't done my rankings. <laughs> Well, I, at least now I have some. Uh, okay, I, like I, I would personally put two or three guys that we're going to talk about later ahead of Ranger Suarez, mm. um, but not this one. So Hyunjin yeah, Ryu I might be coming too. in. Yes. Okay. All right. Then we're then we're good. We'll uh, Sixty-five Hyunjin Ryu. I think there's been some noticeable trends. I think the the changeup is starting to recline, uh, decline in movement. Um, I think the sinker and the cutter are starting to come together. I think. I'm a little bit baffled as to why he's upped the usage uh, of his worst pitch to a career high 37% in his four seamer last year. It had a 352 Woba and he went to it more and more and more. I think, um, you know, the, the changeup cutter combination has always been his bread and butter, but I'm starting to worry that uh, it's not going to be what it used to be. You had the health concerns, you had the park concerns, and then you're pretty much getting the guy who's not going to get you strikeouts. And you're just hoping he's going to what get you ERA because his whip could theoretically be like one, two, five, one, three, if that defense doesn't come together. So, but then again, I was wrong about the defense. I thought he was going to fall apart because of the defense last year, and he didn't. He fell apart for other reasons. So, I don't know. Was sell me on Hyunjin Ryu? Well, first of all, I, you made a typo, and I've, I'm not a typo. You you misspoke, which I do all the time. Um, but I just love the idea of the change of reclining on the beach. Yeah, and saying, too, I've... Yeah. I've done enough over the years. <laughs> All right, Come look, on, I, I've done. I've had O swings always over forty five percent. I deserve a vacation. <laughs> I like that, and yeah, that's actually what it did last year: twenty four to twenty five percent hard contact allowed on the changeup, which doesn't seem so ridiculous. But he's actually relied on that being the soft contact pitch, always under eighteen percent in previous seasons. That was a big, big drawback for him, despite having actually a forty nine percent O swing. It's just getting hit harder, and that makes me kind of wonder, is there something going on with it that is being telegraphed or just being easier to hit somehow? I don't know. Um, I even looked at that approach stuff. looked pretty similar to previous years, uh, so I don't really see something too startling there. Uh, with the cutter, it took a w- major step back from 2020 in CSW. We're talking 33% down to 22%. Fewer called strikes dramatically, fewer swings and misses dramatically. Got hit a ton harder um, as well. Uh, fastball's never been a, a a tough pitch to hit, but fast. I know I've been talking a lot about hard contact, but to me that's just such a great indication. And oh my, uh, 24% in 2020, 43% hard contact on a pitch he throws 35% of the time. That's really, that really, in, really bad. In- Toronto too next year for the full year is not good yeah he, he did get a lot more called strikes on it uh so it, I think what happened in my view is that you have this change up and cutter that aren't doing the things that he used to do uh and the curveball that actually did all right for him um but was a little inconsistent I mean 62 percent strike rate's pretty good um but I remember some starts where the curveball just wasn't nah dog this isn't it today uh, and the fastball had to find more strikes. So he threw it, uh, you know, 35% of the time instead of sub 30% the previous two years. And then Ryu's fastball, huge jump in zone rate, 55% from, say, around 50% or so. A lot more called strikes, but yeah, that massive hard contact rate because of it. 
So it does make me wonder, um, is it is maybe the chain of getting harder a product of, I mean, I can't even piece it together. Like, he's throwing more fastballs in the zone. That means you would think that they'd be more aggressive on it, that the changeup would get worse, but that got hit hard too. Uh, it's just all kind of a mess right now. And the one positive, I will say, is that, you know what? It seemed like, you know, the same way that we talk about a peak being a peak and we think it's going to fall. In many ways, a trough it comes back up, right? And it's probably not going to be this bad of a hard contact way in the fastball again. And despite all these worries, it was still a 123 whip uh, for Hyunjin Ryu, which is acceptable. Like, we can deal with that, as the ERA should be better from the 437. Uh, about 170 innings from Ryu is good. And you know, the whole idea of me joking about him uh, hurting his eyes, looking in for the sign. And going on the IL, those days are kind of over. He's been somewhat uh, sustainable for the Blue Jays and stayed off the IL. Uh, So there is something to be said about maybe he can make some tweaks. He still walks very few guys. Um, Maybe he can rebound a little bit and be closer to like a 3-7-3-8. But I don't think the strikeout rate is going to come back anywhere close to 25-26%. And essentially this is a Toby. And what do we do with Tobys in our drafts? You don't draft them. We don't draft them. So, but that's why that's why I was making the case he should be theoretically lower because, like, so then you're talking about maybe a three eight with like a twenty percent K rate, and it's like, give me the four with a twenty nine or twenty six percent K rate, you know? So there's an argument about like it was a four three seven uh, ERA before, but then this past season, but for the past three years, always underneath a three ERA, and you can say, all right, you know, I expect maybe the home runs to get maybe a little bit better, sixteen percent. Uh, the uh, the left on base rate was just 71%. Maybe that goes back to the above 80% rates that he had before. Probably not, but maybe in the middle somewhere. Uh, there There's ideas here that he could, you know, be better at suppressing hard contact as well. And all of a sudden he becomes a 3-3 ERA guy, right? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Maybe even a 3 again. Who knows? So th- that's what you're kind of chasing here for Ryu. Sure. Uh, I, I probably won't, though. Yeah, I'm not doing it either. And also on on he had a start against Baltimore in September where he only fanned three hashtag only fans. Let's move on to Every, the that's, wow, uh, that's, next. that's all you did. You couldn't find the one we only fanned one in uh, good. August 8th. One is actually what only fanned is. That's the idea. Yeah. That was what you August- wanted. And you went with the three. He never he never oh, he never fanned fewer than three. I don't think. And I don't even see this one. The Yankees was the three. No, Baltimore no, no. was Bal- a four and a seven and a Baltimore a on on Baltimore on the eleventh on nine on 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 September eleventh. That's the f- I see four strikeouts. I see no, but not whiffs. How many oh, swings whiffs. and misses? Oh, I see. But you fanned them. Misses. No, fanned only fanned is a strikeout. Nick's buying into it. No, I'm Nick like said you, only fan. I'm, I'm trying to help. Nick said only fan. We got an only fan, fan. We got him. I am a okay. We got I, him. My best friends here are lawyers, and uh-huh. if you're going to make up a rule, at least uh-huh. adhere to the rule fast. Who has lawyer best friends? Um, they are let's move on people. to to number sixty six. Uh, man, I can't believe we've made it forty five minutes. We haven't even talked about <laughs> Elden Ring yet. Uh, that's unbelievable. Don't even. Um, okay, I only played it for two hours, and I wish I could play oh it more, God. and I can't. And don't you dare say anything. Sixteen hours playing Elden Ring. <laughs> um, that's not. Hey, good. you're gonna have a baby um, in your lap and gonna be able to continue playing that. What? How, how many weeks are we talking? Fast? How many four, weeks away? Four. Four. No way. Yeah. Oh my it, God. It, we start our ninth month tomorrow. I can't wait for sending to get. We here. need to talk about the paternity leave at PitcherList, by the way. <laughs> Uh, hey, we'll figure this out. You know, we're going to start a podcast, and you're going to be gone. And a, yeah, <laughs> you, we, you're going to have to have guests right away. Anyway, come on, we got to go. We got to go here. Sixty six. Yes, Alex Wood here. Uh, mm. He he comes to the Giants. He gets a kind of shiny new twenty six percent swinging strike rate over one hundred and fifty innings pitched, career high and swinging strike rate overall as well. Takes that slider that he found in L A. Expands on it a bunch. Uh, what are you thinking about Alex Wood? Are you seeing some many, sustainability here? How many innings did you say? Uh, I think he threw... He threw 138. 138. I don't know why I put 150. Yeah, so yeah that's, that's the issue. That's the issue about Alex Wood is mm-hmm. he's not durable. And you don't know how long you're going to well, depend on this not Well, wasn't it COVID for him last year? I, it was COVID IL. 
for what? Yeah, Alex was Wood was it? on the COVID IL, I believe. Yeah, in May. I think so. Ah, okay. Well, COVID IL or not, Alex Wood uh, has not been a man of durability for his career. Yeah, he missed uh, three and not weeks to mention month. for COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, I did not know that. Okay, noted. Putting in my okay. notes, I still do not expect him to go over 160 innings this year because uh, he hasn't done that for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Alex Wood, 383 ERA last year, 119 whip. We saw a slider come into form last year. Fantastic. Love to see it. The changeup kind of got put on the back end a bit. 22% usage, but just wasn't the pitch I wanted to be, especially in the second half. Much better earlier on. Uh, but the sinker velocity went up, and that was really cool. Uh, we saw about 90 mile per hour pitches, you know, 18, 19, and 20, up to 92 in 2021. Uh, we saw that back in 2017 in his heyday um, as well, which was really cool. But that was more so because also the changeup was excellent. And this time it's because that slider. Uh, no more is that knuckle curve here. No, it is a slider. Uh, and 22% swing strike rate, 37% CSW, nearly 70% strike rate on it. Love to see that. He's still in San Francisco, but I will say the sinker doesn't suppress hard contact that well. 30% hard contact rate, not elite in that category. I think um, it's 36% CSW last year with a 27% call strike rate. That's probably going to come down a little bit, uh, but it is still a good scenario in uh, San Francisco. I think he'll benefit you. I think the reason I have Ryu and Wainwright currently ahead of Wood is because there's a higher chance of him benefiting your teams for a longer amount of time. And I think also with Ryu, like I'll know like right away if I want to keep going with Ryu or not. Yeah. I'll probably know the same thing about Alex Wood. Because if Alex Wood isn't throwing 92, if he's throwing like 90 and change, I'm probably out, honestly. Especially if that changeup isn't back fully. Uh, and it did feel a lot like this was a good run for Alex Wood, but not necessarily something you should depend on. And again, 383 ERA, which is fine. But not really the thing you want. You're hoping for more from this mm-hmm. from Alex Wood. And there are a lot of indications that this was a peak as opposed to a new plateau. So it's a little weird about Alex Wood. Um, and I, so that's why I have him here in the mid-60s. But yeah, I'd be happy if Alex Wood uh, helped me fill out the back end of my staff. There's a weird thing that happened again with him, too, in the in the at the end of the season where the changeup and the sinker started to kind of blend together. But and it could be a small sample thing, but the slider just like jumped in swinging strike rate. So I don't know if he was doing some tweaks there. And but I think his slider finished the season pretty competitively or, or pretty well, I should say, uh, by by swing and miss, which is interesting. I don't really know what to make of that quite yet. If that's just all smoke and mirrors. I don't know where the step forward for Alex yeah. Wood would be right. Yeah, like I don't know like what he can velocity will go do. back at this point. Well, yeah, if, even if the, but even if everything maintained, right? Like, what could he do with that three pitch mix to jump to like a 26, 27 K rate? Nothing. Right. Like he could, yeah. he could theoretically have 165 innings at 3.8 ERA and like a 24 percent K rate, and I think that is very beneficial. Like, so maybe it is just the increase of innings staying at the same, but also an increase in innings could theoretically lead to the other direction. Where now he's like a 4.1 ERA guy with like a 23% K yeah. rate. So um yeah, I don't know if there how much ceiling there is for the, for Wood. And one thing I will say too, um 5.3 uh innings per game and 84 pitches per game isn't the same as like Wainwright, is the same like a lot of guys that you're depending on around this. You mm-hmm. know, we're gonna talk about uh <laughs> we're not gonna talk about Cal Quantra, that's right. I put him outside of it. Oh. Uh, but uh, but like Descafani, I think maybe has a little bit more of a ceiling next, or maybe even Casey Mize of actually going more consistently to the sixth and, and beyond. Um, Eighty four pitches is on this lower end of what you'd want for someone like Wood. Yeah, I wonder if that's going to change much too, because they're going to have an, uh, probably a very good pull, bullpen once again in San Francisco, and I don't think those, you know, I don't think they really want some of these guys going third time through the order because mm-hmm. that might be why they had so much success last year. Remember, you know, Kevin Gaussman obviously don't think it mattered as much for him, but they still had success with Alex Wood and with Johnny Cueto and with the next guy that we're going to talk about. How is that for a transition? We're going to stay on the so same good. team here at number sixty-seven, and that's Mister Tony. Disco himself. Uh, projections really don't like uh, Anthony Disclafani. No, I don't think they're. I don't know if they're taking the the 
the park into account enough. He had a career high ground ball rate in the team with the highest ground ball rate in baseball last year. He also brought the home run to fly ball down considerably. He brought the swing strike rate up career high in slider usage, which was fine. It's not like a great slider, a 15.6% swinging strike around career average for him, 280 Woba, a little bit worse than average. Um, but the sliders might have benefited the fastball uh, a lot. 327 Woba, career best, not great, 9.9% swing strike rate, 8.2% home run to fly ball rate on the fastball. That could be because he's out of Great American Ballpark and in Oracle. But I don't know. He He's another guy where I think I wouldn't be surprised if he repeated. I don't know if there's another gear there for him. Oh, yeah. No. Tony Desco has been searching for a proper third offering for a long time. And it's not the changeup. It's not the curveball. There's nothing there. But Tony Desco, when we saw him have success in the past, it was you know back in 2019. It was when he really leaned on the slider. And, yeah, he increased its overall usage to 36%, which was great. Uh, and it worked out for him. I remember actually uh, last year. This time, well, I, I, I remember in season thinking, oh, my God, what am I doing, Nick? Why wasn't I more in on Tony Disco going to San Francisco after he had a really messed up, injured and weird 2020? Mm. And in 2019, uh, Anthony Escafani had a 389 ERA and a 120 whip and a 24% strikeout rate. And I remember being so upset on myself that I didn't kind of think like, oh, yeah, this guy's actually still good. I remember him signing with San Francisco and thinking, oh, they got themselves a really big discount. And I just kind of did nothing. And, you know, this is me pretty much saying I should have gotten credit, but I don't deserve any. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but no, I, I remember just feeling like an idiot um, last year when this happened in front of us. And I will say that the 12% home refile ball rate really is everything here. 317 ERA then turns into like the 3.9 if he has that 18% one from 2019. So I uh, we probably won't see that return because, of course, it's Cincy as opposed to San Francisco. But you know, if that comes up, I mean, that's really the major thing here. The slider usage going up is good. It's an excellent pitch, 32% CSW rate. But it is a 22% hard contact rate. And traditionally on sliders, the ones that are really good are like way below 15 or so. And this mm-hmm. isn't that. It's good. I'm glad that he's got this pitch he can throw a ton of strikes with. Uh, but the league average, actually, it matches average hard contact rate for sliders uh, right at 22%. Um, and the four-seamer is good, I think. Um, got some whiffs, about 11% swing strike rate, got a good amount of call strikes at 20%, so that adds up to about 31% CSW for Tony Disco's four-seamer, but, like, it, it, you know, it's serviceable, you know? Same with the sinker that he works in as well, which doesn't get absolutely crushed. Like, that's the story of Tony Disco. He's laying uh, some home runs with that stuff, then, yeah, he's probably going to be closer to a four-year right. But I think you'll be generally okay with what... Tony Disco serves you. Just don't start him against Los Angeles. That's really what happened last year. I think he started oh, yeah, yeah, really. against him five or six times. <clears throat> and it was so frustrating. Just like, ah, oh, why does he have to go against LA again? Finally, he got his redemption on the 3rd of September and went six shutout against them. But I, there were some some stretches where he just had to continuously face uh, Los Angeles. He allowed 10 runs against them on the 23rd of May. Uh, and it was just brutal. It was brutal. So don't start yeah. him against the Dodgers. And, and that's don't, it. Start him in cores, I guess, too, obviously. Yeah, but then you're good. You should be fine with Tony Disco. Yeah. Uh, The next guy coming in at number 68 is Casey Mize. Casey Mize made a really interesting change sort of to his arsenal where he like, I don't know if you could say he introduced the slider last year. He had a cutter that was a pretty weak cutter that was pretty low velocity. And then he changes the movement profile. It is now a totally different pitch and it's the slider. And it was pretty good for him i mean it had a 194 batting average against for the 253 woba uh it certainly performed well at a 12.1 p val that's not predictive it just means that it did well last year also one of the best performers in in the shadows in baseball he was able to effectively use that slider nibbling on the plate a bit so it's a good pitch it's an exciting pitch for him to have the problem in my eyes with mize is oh lord are those fastballs not good they're not good and and under the hood they're not good and uh, as a over the hood they're not good um <laughs> I, I don't know how many different ways and when they're to drinking say, hood milk they, they're, they're not good they're, they're not good yeah exactly um i mean a 10.8 percent swing striker and the four seamer isn't terrible but he leaves it over the heart of the plate a little bit too much and the woba on it wasn't really good it's got average velocity it's got average movement and if a pitch is average it's 
not good because people see it a lot. And so I, uh, I don't know. I, I mean, that's not to say that there isn't a step forward for Mize, right? I mean, prospect growth isn't linear, um, but I don't know. What do you think about Casey Mize? I, well, Casey Mize is like Descofani um, and is like James Caprillion is like uh, Cal Quantrill. Um, there are these guys that have fastball sliders and they can get by with that. Uh, they don't really have distinct third options. I mean, Caprillion kind of has a curveball that sometimes shows up and that can actually be something. But I, the splitter is not what you want it to be. When you think about splitters, you think, oh, yeah, big whiff rate pitch. Nope. 10.6% last year. Oh, boy. For swing strike rate on a splitter. Uh, curveball is not shaping up to what it needs to be. 52% strike rate for Mises curveball. So, yeah, four-seamer sinker slider. Uh, great point about the slider. Uh, dropped a lot in velocity, so it is more of a distinct slider than the harder cutter that you're used to. Um, the four-seamer wasn't hit as badly as the sinker. Uh, 224 batting average allowed with a 20% hard contact rate. That's fine. But, yeah, as you said, fine isn't good enough. Um I'm not a fan, really, of Casey Mize. I know he did better in the second half. I know he got into more of a groove, but it felt more like a Vargas rule than it felt like something legitimate. And that slowed down by the end of it. It was kind of like in the middle of the season that Mize did well. But as you mentioned, hey, something can change. I mean, that slider changed. So theoretically, the splitter or the curveball could come together. Um, we could be seeing some adjustment on the fastball. If he just shows up throwing 95 instead of 94 on it or something like that, maybe the swing strike rate of 11% jumps up to 13%. And... There you go. You have something a little bit more legitimate as far as strikeouts go because he only has a 19% rate in 2021. So Casey Mice for me is not someone I'm targeting much. I recognize the ceiling can be a little bit higher considering that yeah. there's more of an opportunity for something new to happen. You know, that's just generally the case when it's a younger guy. We're not ready to say this is who he is yet. So theoretically, Mice could be more than this. That makes him more appealing than some other guys behind him. But if this is all we're getting, I'm absolutely not expecting him to repeat a 3-7-1 ERA and a one fourteen whip. Yeah, especially doesn't he have like a 4-7-1 FIP or something? It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, 4-7-2 is what I'm seeing. But uh, 150 innings last year, we should get closer to 180 at least. So if you need yeah. that, you'll do it in, uh, in Detroit. That's true. Uh, the next guy is a guy that I think you and I both have gotten really excited watching in some of his starts. He had this beautiful start back in September where he had 12 whiffs on his slider. Like I think it was like 20 overall whiffs or something like that on the night. And that's Josiah Gray. Um, definitely some command issues that can pop in every once in a while, but two pitches with a 20% or higher swinging strike rate in the slider and the curveball. One of the other things that I thought was interesting, he was a- elite at getting not just swings, but swings and misses outside of the zone last year. He had a 16.6% O swinging strike rate, which was top 10 in baseball. Uh, I mean, it was like literally like Robbie Ray, Kevin Gaussman, Logan Webb, and Josiah Gray. But yeah, a little bit of concern. Um, Last thing I'll bring up, a large difference between barrel rate and hard hit per plate appearance. One of the worst barrel rates in baseball, one of the best hard hit per plate appearances in baseball, which is an interesting disparity. Some great work by Alexander Chase on pitch list uh, goes into uh, the importance of hard hit per plate appearance. Um, what are your thoughts about Josiah Gray? I'm very conflicted because I think the long-term Josiah Gray should be really good, but it is a command thing. The four-seamer command can be really great at times, but that month of September... When he was facing the Pirates, we said, do not start Josiah Gray. And what do you know? It wasn't very good. Now, he did rebound in the next start against Miami. Well, actually, he did it did not against Rocky Road. We still said, stop. He just failed against the <laughs> he failed against the Phillies and the Mets. It looked really bad. Don't do it against the Pirates. He didn't do well there. Don't do it against Rocky Road. Didn't do well there. And he went to Miami. And we're like, we're not doing this. And he got eight strikeouts, six innings, two earned runs. But I watched the start with uh, with everybody on Twitch over the uh, winter. It was not great. It did not feel like this overwhelming start. Uh, and then he went to Coors, was not that great either. And then had a redeeming outing against the Red Sox to end the season. And I'm not going to pull anything from that. But I will say, curveball and slider are going to miss a lot of bats. The curveball, to me, is the better offering between the two. Um, just a little bit more consistent overall. They both limit hard contact a lot. Uh, both have good strike rates. The question is, how much is the four-seamer going to hurt him or not? Some nights he got mm. double-digit whiffs on his four-seamer. And yeah. that 
combined with the two breaking balls makes Josiah Gray really exciting. 95 mile per hour fastball, right? 31% O-swing on a four-seam. That's pretty dang good. It's just the command, we don't know what is going to come of it. I'm excited because he's in Washington and they are not going to let Josh Rogers and Eric Fede uh, throw in that five spot or whatever. I mean, he's the number three right now. And yeah. then there's also Strasburg as the injured one. I mean, there's just all this opportunity. I feel like he's just going to start the entire season. Um, so that's great. But for my fantasy teams, I'm not going to trust necessarily Josiah Gray in the first start of the year. And even if he does well in the first one or second one, am I really buying that he's great now forever? I'm not. So it's too much confusion early on, which means that I'll probably be out of the Josiah Gray breakout and probably have to overpay for it next year. Uh, But we'll see. I mean, if he's someone that's on the wire after doing poorly in April, I might jump in on Josiah Gray in season, but it's hard for me to draft right now. I'm with you. The last guy that we're going to talk about this evening is Tristan McKenzie. I was a little bit worried about Tristan McKenzie and those uh, uh, splits last year, right? We were still looking to see if he could have, I think it was an effective pitch against lefties. Um, And I think he did make a little bit of strides there. And there were some times over the course of the year where I think he was able to be, you know, pretty, pretty effective. But what are you thinking about Tristan McKenzie? Uh, the curveball had a 54% strike rate against lefties, and that's the problem because it was a 20% usage on that. He's got to fix that. He's, and it was just 63% usage on the fastball, whether he had to do that, not just. That's a lot. Uh, and allowed just a bit too much hard contact there. So that's what he has to fix. Um, the thing is, Tristan McKenzie, I've been trying to speed through these because I know we're going a bit, a little bit long in this podcast. I know. Very fast. nice. Very Seriously, nice. I meant to say it before I even realized I hadn't said the slogan, which is like, again, Very over nice. 300 podcasts and I have to remember every single time. It is pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. <laughs> but um, I just get too carried away about these pictures. All right. Tristan McKenzie did not have velocity, came back uh, from the minors and had velocity. Uh, but it's always a question to me of command. Is he actually going to do the Blake Snell blueprint or not? If throwing a, enough strikes inside the zone of those four seamers of sub 50 percent zone rate on the four seamer is kind of startling. For a guy who throws it over 60% of the time. Mm. And I think it's a good enough heater that if he just does, you know, then the Robbie Ray, you know, throw it over the plate and then use your breaking balls down like the old school Blake Snell blueprint and what Blake Snell actually did last year, finally. McKenzie mm. could be really good, but I just don't trust the command. And I think we're going to see more volatility early on. It could stabilize like it did last year. And this could be really exciting. Uh, but that's a coin flip. And I could see myself letting loose of. Tristan McKenzie very early in April if I draft him. Yeah, it is. I, I didn't know that both his slider and curveball had uh, 44% whiff rates. Huh. Yeah. That's they, pretty, they, I that's mean, they miss bats like 20% swing strike on the slider, uh, 19% on the curveball. It's just the strike rates are both underneath 60% on both. You can't yeah. do that. It's, it's, it's also really startling. A 67% strike rate despite just a 48% zone rate on the four-seamer. I, but it, it, to me, it just feels you're relying too much on that. Yeah. And if you if you're able to throw a little bit more in the zone with that, then you can get those other strikes from the curveball and slider outside the zone because those are both sub 40 percent O swings. So it might be what Shane Bieber, you know, can teach him essentially. <laughs> like, hey, this is how you get your O swings on your breaking balls, kiddo. You know, hopefully that can happen. Mm hmm. Nick, we did it. Fast. Another fun, successful. So fun. So successful. Uh, 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 we laughed. We <laughs> cried. We became the best baseball podcast Nick in the world. Everything he ever trusted about his memory when it came to Alex Wood and the IL. Uh, Alex uh, <laughs> had Hyunjin Ryu's changeup just laying on the beach, reclining. Just reclining. Uh, you know, it was great. Living the dream. Time. Uh, but that is going to do it then for episode number 308 of On the Corner, the official PitcherList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast. And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys later this week.